Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started sanket is a serial entrepreneur and co-founder at super gaming with a mission to put india on the global gaming map he previously built stuff at wingify and fusion charts In the interview Sanket shares how he got started into entrepreneurship as a teenager and tasted early success. We also talk about what he learned and how he grew after taking a sabbatical just to travel and have fun after his first stint in entrepreneurship. Hi Sanket and welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Hey Sumit, great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Why don't you start by sharing a bit about yourself and what do you do? For sure. I'm Sanket. I'm one of the co-founders of Super Gaming. Super Gaming is a gaming company. If the name didn't give it away, we think or our our mission is to really put India in the global gaming map. Gaming in India is at a very interesting inflection point right now. And what we really want to do is most of the games that we play today in India, at least, they aren't exactly built in India, and that's something we want to change. So we want to build great games which are built in India, made for the world. So that's something we have been doing for the last six, seven years, and right now we're building like our. what what we think is one of india's most ambitious title till date called indus so that's an indo futuristic battle royale so over there what we're doing is taking indian art and culture and projecting it out to a very optimistic world 2500 years into the future and creating a battle royale in it so we're super super excited about it been building it for 2 to 1 and a half years so that's super gaming but yeah gaming is not something i've been doing my entire life prior to that i was in a very different space actually so i was in the b2b or the saas world before this Again, like you know, I can go back to where I started from, so that way the journey might be easier to understand. What I would really love, as you said, right, you didn't get started in gaming, so I want to understand how these dots connect, right? Entrepreneurship, business, gaming, doing something for India, like putting India to the map. What is that background that is leading you to where you are today? For sure. So I think I'll go back to you know where I started my my career or my work from, and then I'll lead up to how gaming eventually happened. I think that'll be a good way to go about it. So my brother started a company called Fusion Charts out of the bedroom that me and him shared. This was when I was what thirteen, fourteen. He was sixteen. So again, you know, I was in school, so I also helped start this. But again, I was in school, so I had to also study and have my exams and all of that. 
So Fusion Charts was essentially a charting library. So it's like a, it's like a developer tool. But sitting in Calcutta, we sold that to like about 20, 25,000 customers all over the globe. So it was a bootstrap SaaS company, did multi-million dollars in revenue. It was like a text before tech startup. So cool in India. This is back in 2002, 2003. So I did that when I was in school and college with whatever time I had. I helped mostly on the marketing and sales front. That's what like I enjoyed doing. So when I went to college, I studied engineering, but as the saying in India goes, you know, you go, you study computer science, engineering only to figure out what you want to do later in life. Yeah, I was enjoying marketing and once I passed out, I joined Fusion Charts full time to lead marketing and sales. Yeah, we grew it like we grew it to the 25,000 customers that I talked about. We even had Barack Obama use our Fusion Charts like on, on one of his dashboards. That's a story that like that's pretty popular out there. So did that and yeah, it was fun. It was a great ride. Learned a lot. But at a point in time, I'd been doing this for a long time and I was like, hey, maybe I wanted to take a small break. That's where that sabbatical that you might be able to see on my LinkedIn came in. I'd been doing this for about eight, nine years, both full-time and part-time put together. And I was like, I want to travel a little bit. I want to meet other people. So yeah, I decided to take a year-long break. And that's probably one of the, even today, I look back at it like you know, with very fond memories. So traveled mostly in India itself, backpacking staying in 200 rupees rooms. So 200 rupees, if I had to convert that to dollars, is about $3. I don't know if they're still that cheap because the parts that I traveled to have now become very popular. But essentially, like, I you know, stayed in very cheap rooms, so, you know, more for the experience. And it mm -hmm. was a wonderful experience, like, travel to Himachal in India, travel to Rajasthan, travel to Goa, met, like, a lot of people. Super fun. I did that. Then I went back to Fusion Charts. I think I spent another, like, you know, one and a half years over there. And then I wanted to see how other people build companies as well. So there was a friend of mine called Paris who ran another bootstrapped SaaS company called Bingify, which is pretty popular now. They built A-B testing tool called BWO. So that's where I joined in a growth role. I had to move to Delhi for that. And not something I was looking forward to, but yeah, Delhi one year was quite an interesting experience. And then one year late, Bingify opened an office in Pune. And the idea was that, hey, the SaaS product is going really well. So why not look at, hey, what are other ways that we can grow the company in? And so then we started this entire business unit for new products. And the idea was to build new consumer products. We built about 10, 11 new consumer products, right from messenger app with mini apps within them, event apps, regional content apps. So we built an MVP for a bunch of them. But the thing is, I mean, building consumer apps within a SaaS company, like very different DNAs. So ultimately the company decided to go back to doing what it does well, which was building SaaS products. But the learning we had building this and the fun we had building this was incredible. Even today, I feel like, you know, some of these opportunities are very wide open, willing for someone who can do them well to go explore that. So I had a lot of fun building these consumer products, but when the company wanted to go back to being more SaaS, so that's when I was exploring, hey, what can I do in consumer? Because I really enjoyed that. I felt it used a lot more of my brain. I felt it was a lot more creative than SaaS. Again, no offense to SaaS people. SaaS is a great business. It's a great money-making business to be in. And I'm sure it has its own challenges. But personally, for me, you know, building consumer products was a lot more fun. And that's when, when I was looking at, hey, what should I do next? So that's when I hit up another of my friends called Robbie, <clears throat> who had been running games companies for a long time. And I said, hey, I'm looking for what next to do. And he said, hey, I'm looking to start a new games company. Why don't you join me as my co-founder? And he was, in fact, looking for someone with a product and marketing experience. I'm like, it's usually the other way around. You have product and marketing people looking for tech co-founders. Here he's, hey, I have a tech team and developers, product and marketing people are what I need. And so then we started building socials. Plus gaming products, so it was this product where there'll be multiple varieties of games, casual, social, party games. So that's where you know, my background in building social products came in and his background in building games came in. 
and yeah that's how my journey in gaming started so but the first product we built that didn't work out social gaming products are incredibly hard to build so that's when we went back building uh, building game games and that's how my journey happened but yeah gaming has been so much fun it's like the pinnacle of consumer products for me it's been an amazing journey being in gaming Thank you. Thank you, Sanket, for sharing that wonderful journey. I think you got started into entrepreneurship very early and then also on the business side of it, right, which is very different from a lot of co-founders come from a technical or like a builder mindset. But what what do you think that that uniquely gives you or that positions you uniquely that is to your massive advantage right now? I think just starting this right from a very early age was very advantageous for me. And again, my dad also had tried his hands a bunch of small businesses. In fact, he ran like a web development shop where it would convince like very small local businesses in Calcutta of all places to have a website, like a sari shop. It doesn't need a website, but somehow my dad convinced them that we should, <laughs> they should have a website. So he would do the selling and like, you know, then me and my brother would like actually create the website for them. And yeah, like building that business. So I think we had very entrepreneurial roots that way. So I think that background has really helped so for a lot of people I hear that they get pushback from their families. Sure, if you're starting later, you have no responsibilities to take care of. But even initially, they get pushback from their families that, you know, maybe maybe it's too risky or hey, you're not cut out for that. For me, like, it was the complete opposite, right? My dad was doing it. He was asking me to bunk school so that we could deliver a client project. So I think that's been a great advantage. And because I started young, right, I didn't have responsibilities. and But we hit it out of the park with our first uh, startup itself. So that we also have been lucky. Otherwise, usually you take a couple of attempts. It doesn't work out. You get a little jaded. For me, that didn't happen. I've been quite lucky as well, to be to be honest. Yeah. Thank you for reflecting and sharing that. It indeed can be like an advantage as you shared, right? Now, which brings me to the second thing, right? The sabbatical, right? This is also something which is very difficult for a lot of people, whether they are entrepreneurs or whether they are working, right? Because if somebody is working, that having a break in your career can impact negatively. But even if you're working in, as you said, your first thing was success, right? And then there is this hustle culture or always wanting to do the next thing. How did that pan out for you? How did you grow? What did you learn during that year of traveling and exploring? And what role does that play right now in your life? I took the sabbatical mostly just to have fun. Now, hey, I've been working for nine years. I'm pretty young right now. I've been working for a bunch of years. Honestly, the, whenever I went into the sabbatical, it wasn't to try something, learn something. It was like, hey, I want to have fun. I'm a young guy. I want to have fun. So that was really the intent going into it. And I had a lot of fun. I wasn't trying to learn too many things or put too much pressure on myself. Maybe now if I do a sabbatical, I would have, hey, I want to learn these two or three things. I will probably make it more structured. But that time, yeah, I just wanted to have fun. I had fun. The learnings really well. The Having the courage to be able to go out for yourself, right? This might be much easier, say, in, in the Western world. But like Indian culture doesn't really do that, right? For a lot of people, hey, you travel by yourself. Don't you have friends? That's really the image associated with it, right? So breaking that, being able to go out by myself, being able to have fun by myself, making friends where I go, going out to lunch by myself. I think a lot of those things help you grow as an individual, build confidence in you. It helped me like go out and make more friends. I'm not extroverted, nor am I introverted. I'm somewhere in between. But, you know, just being able to go out, make friends. I think those are really the learnings. And I would say the life learnings that I had from that was really what I got. And of course, all these beautiful places that I saw. I would think, hey, here are these popular places. And every time I go to a place and there are other travelers who are been backpacking and discovering all of these hidden gems. And they tell me about five new other places. And just made me realize how many amazing places there are in the world. So I think mostly those are my learnings. Apart from that, I had fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And how does that play out, right? Because you jumped back into a very entrepreneurial kind of a role, even after coming back from the sabbatical. So after the sabbatical and from this period of, like you said, that 
developing yourself or building that confidence on your own how was the the journey different right before the entrepreneurship before you went on the sabbatical and after you came back if you can reflect on any one or two changes that you could see sure i just think it opened up my horizons right earlier i was maybe just thinking about hey there's this one business to build and like now i was just thinking about saas is the only way to build things and within saas enterprise software is the only way to build things that's what i know but i feel after the sabbatical just reflecting on things i just opened myself to like a lot more things say this is maybe not the only thing i want to do in life sure after the sabbatical i went back and did that but i think it gave me the confidence that it try new things like do new things even in business i don't have to have this one skill and constantly keep reaping the rewards of that for the next 30 40 years of my life when i work sure it, it might be great rewards financially because hey, i'll become the expert in this or whatever but did not seem like a very fun way to live a life so right now also now right now the company that we are running it makes lesser revenue that like than what fusion charts did but building games is like such an intellectual challenge and it's like a very different thing that we're doing and again like revenue wise what we're building right now it might change completely in a year because games are this completely different business which can go from 0 to 100 million within a year or two like saas where there's a 3 4 5 year journey right so that that can change completely but yeah just opened me up that you know it is not this one way like you know, i should open myself up to more life experiences i think that's really the big learning i took back from it yeah and i think that's a wonderful segue into the future right since you talk about spoke about how do you want to live your life like how given the success given the experiences that you have right now where are you headed right in the next few years how do you want to live how do you want to grow what is next for you sure so no right now i think i have, I have my hands full with super gaming itself i have a small daughter of 4 year old so i think i have my hands full with that itself but yeah building the next successful game right at super gaming what we have been able to do is build great games that are played by a lot of players but uh, converting that into good business i think that part of the puzzle is you know what we're looking to solve right now so really hard to think about building games that people are playing for years and large chunk of them are also monetizing and so it becomes like a very good sustainable business so that's what i'm focused on from a work point of view but apart from that yeah outside of work yeah like my four year old daughter is you know these are probably the best years of her life you know it's so much fun to hang out with her the way she sees the world yeah just trying to spend as much time with her there are small hobbies i'm trying here and there i, I used to read a lot like earlier back in the day but when you're doing startups like you don't really have the time to read books or maybe i didn't have the discipline to do it because yeah gaming and consumer products especially they suck up all of your thinking time and it's something you have to be on all the time it's not something that you can nine year, nine to five your way out of yeah i think that's where i'm at right now but just building games itself is so incredibly rewarding and it's so much more complex right like you know when you're building a consumer product it's like dev design maybe mm-hmm. a marketing like, you know there are like three four disciplines over here there's like game design there is art there is the gameplay engineer there's the back end engineering how do you build in retention there are different ways to monetize then you have to be your better players you have to have customer support and service for them there are so many different disciplines and this vfx and especially we are building a 3d game there are like four or five other disciplines that come in so it just it is a much more complex thing to build but it's the final output that you get from it is just so rewarding right that's something you're proud of yeah that that is very exciting so you know i just want to enjoy that and learn as much as possible i would still say i'm probably an outsider in gaming right now so i want to learn as much of this as possible thank you for sharing that and i can relate to what you spoke about being a young dad of a 4 year old daughter so my son is turning 4 very soon so okay. i can i can totally relate to that and as you said it's a wonderful time it's a wonderful time for them but also for us as parents but i want to dig a little bit deeper into what you shared about the challenge right or the pain point right now can you elaborate a bit more on that because you have that marketing and sales background So how does that play out right now what is the biggest thing that is holding you back or that you see as a pain point in the coming few years 
so that's one part of it but as an organization like i said like what we've done well is we made great games that people really enjoy playing there are players who have been playing our games for four five years as well obviously we want that cohort to be larger but and we have also learned how to get our games to so one of our games is played by 70 million people uh we've learned to do that but now we want to like it's like i said like now our mission is to really put it on the global gaming map that's a massive mission right you have to get build a great game you have to distribute it well you have to build the right community for it and you have to ensure that you're monetizing well enough so that you build a sustainable business like you, know, you build a great game which is played by everyone but you run out of money you're doing obviously doing yourself and your organization at a service but also your players are the service right because once a game is out there it's not yours it's it belongs to everyone after that you know how to build a sustainable business by 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 actually being able to build large communities and getting it out creating that buzz also around the world that hey great games can come out of india right today the games that come out of india are fairly basic right and i don't want that just changing for us right i want that changing that i want us to be an example that that maybe inspires other indian developers or i want us to be I want, and we share our learnings as well right we share our learnings with whoever's indie developers up and coming developers because we want like 500 great indian gaming companies to come out 1000 great indian gaming companies to come out so that we're not sitting and playing like you know games built outside india within india in fact it should be the other way around yeah so there are multiple pieces that we have to solve to get to that which is what we are working on right now yeah yeah and in terms of the future i think you have a huge vision here what do you see as some of the biggest opportunities that lie ahead for you that you can capitalize upon so we are i mean we are we are in a great place in terms of being able to build great games out of india it'll, it'll sound boastful but it'll be a probably india's best game development company already so building a battle royale is really hard right building a shooter is hard in the first place we have done that for the last 6 7 years building a battle royale is even harder literally a handful of companies in the world can do that so we are doing that so being having the capability to be able to build this that places in a great place because there there's only so many of them who can build this game right so i think that's a great opportunity that we have all given all of the background in building games for so long which my co-founders have which i'm grateful to my co-founders for and i think the other great opportunity is like there are like india as a market also is really at this inflection point today we have about 450 500 million gamers which is a very large market to go after and mm-hmm. also india starting to pay as well and they're also demanding so they're demanding indian content they're demanding that you what why do you have to play a game which has like chinese mythology or western or nordic mythology for that matter right they want to see their own representation in games and we have such a rich culture we have such a rich history right so i think a lot of these things are coming together very well to present us this great opportunity where we build something that that's played by half a billion people and you know takes india to the world really right in in the gaming world Yeah and as you mentioned about your co-founders I'm quite curious how does this play out within the organization right so you're also building an organization which can fulfill on that dream so what challenges or that does that present in terms of motivating people or creating a well streamlined team who are not just like do creating a business product but also passionate about games or passionate about doing something as you said for India right so how yeah. within the organization what challenges does it present for you as the founders or maybe the rest of your with the key leadership team also i think for us is the other way around the passion part of it is solving if you're in gaming if you're building hard products like you have to be passionate about it till, till about 2 3 years back now gaming is still starting to become cool gaming is becoming like a viable career option here in india being a game developer 
But you know, till about a couple of years back, if you're a game developer or doing anything in gaming, you were an outcast. Like you had to literally fight with your family and friends to get into the space. So obviously you had to have that passion mm-hmm. to enter the space. So the passion part of it is sorted. But because games are like just so hard to build and take, just take so many different things coming together to get it right. I think we've spent a lot of time like building games and getting them out. But I think in terms of building the right org structure, building the right hey, different career paths for people, bringing more structure to them. I think those are the things, right? Once we get our product right and starting to monetize well, I think those are the things that we'll focus on right after that. So right now it works well because like people are passionate. They want to get the best game out. So even not having some of that structure like works fine because people just want to create the best product. But as we scale, that's definitely something we want to improve on. So back in the day when we were doing B2B and SaaS companies, so we did spend a lot of time because you had to have you know the right motivation structures in place, the right teams in place and all of that. So I, I feel like, you know, I've done that better earlier on, but over here, because you're, there are other challenges to solve. So we're focusing more on that okay. and we'll come to these challenges later on. Thank you for adding that. And I think you're spot on with passion kind of solves or delays a lot of the challenges which organizations naturally face as they grow bigger. So thank you for, for adding that element. And it obviously adds to that motivation. So you also spoke about these multiple challenges. There might be people challenges. There might be like the new marketing challenges, distribution challenges. And you shared, right? It's hardly like even any entrepreneurship is difficult. It's you're pressed for time, right? You have a young daughter. So how do you manage that pressure? How do you manage that demand on your time and also your attention and energy? I think one, not having too many hobbies helps. Yeah. <laughs> I think spending all, all the time on the startup and you know, spending time with my daughter, I think that takes up all of our, all my time. No, I do hang out as well. Yeah. Now that you ask me, I don't really feel all that stretch for time. I do have a decent amount of free time, but I haven't really reflected on why I do have free time. Maybe one of the things is we're also five co-founders. You know, mm-hmm. there are like a lot of people to look after different things. So it's not just coming. All the responsibilities are not just one or two people. I think maybe that's a secret. Yeah. I've never reflected on it, but now that you asked it, maybe that's the secret. Yeah, thank you for adding that. I and mean, certainly having a good like co-founding team, five is, I think, a very good number, which I would say is a privilege or a huge asset as a team, right? As an entrepreneur. So that could certainly contribute to that. At the same time, if you could wake up tomorrow and having any new ability or skill, what would that be? I would probably say, you know, I've done some development or some coding in my life, but there are definitely times when I feel like, yeah, I wish I could just create that myself, right? So I haven't done that, like, you know, in the longest time, but probably be very rusty. And I've done a very basic coding as well. So, but being able to do that, being able to just build stuff, it's both one, being able to build stuff that I want very fast and also the joy of building things. Because I, I do feel like whenever I'm solving logical problems or even the little bit of coding I've done, just satisfied the logical part of my brain a lot. So I think that'll be a great ability that I wish I could acquire overnight. Yeah, I think you have that wonderful mix of right brain and left brain, not just skill set, but also experience. And many entrepreneurs I see are either coming from one or the other place, right? Either they're very business oriented or they're coming from a very technical oriented place. So given this unique experience and ability, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who is struggling with adapting or shifting their personality to the other side of things? I think what I've seen is like people put themselves in a box too much. They're like, hey, I'm only creative. I don't understand numbers too much. Or I only understand numbers too much. I don't understand creative. I was also probably a little bit like that. But I feel like if you stop having those mental roadblocks or stop putting yourself in a box and like just go out there and learn. Hey, here's something I have to do. Here's a difficult challenge or here's a challenge that I have to solve to whatever, I don't know, solve your own intellectual curiosity or to grow your org. Just do that and you'll be surprised by what you're able to achieve. Yeah, thank you for adding that. I think it's many times it's the mental thinking which makes any task more difficult than it is. And I think from your life experience, 
you have clearly seen it, right? Not just, not just, you don't just know it. You've seen it play out in your life. So thank you for sharing that. And before, before we wrap up, anybody who's listening, who might get curious about many of the things that you share, what is the best way for somebody to reach out to you or find out more about what you're up to? Oh, I think Twitter is a good way. I'm pretty active on Twitter, tweeting about very random things. And yeah, very, my DMs are open over there. Very, yeah. So approach me, hit me up on Twitter and we'll talk. Thank you. Thank you, Sanket, for sharing everything that you shared. I will make sure to include your Twitter on the show notes. And I want to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.